Welcome to the Become Fire podcast, a ministry of the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit. If you'd like to learn more about this community, visit them on the web at www.becomefire.faith. That's dot F-A-I-T-H. Now, here are the Friars. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Become Fire podcast. It is your host, Father Anthony Tinker, with the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit, along with my fellow Franciscan Friar of the Holy Spirit and co-host of the Become Fire podcast, Father Peter Teresa McConnell. Hello, it's good to be with you all. It is such a pleasure. It is March. It is March. The month yeah. of St. Joseph. Praise God for that. We have the the Lenten season upon us, mm-hmm. as well as the great solemnities of St. Joseph and yes. the Annunciation. So it's a great month. The beautiful gems in the middle of it. Also March Madness <sighs> upcoming. A great month. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, a lot to talk about, but we are focused in on Lent itself. You having a good Lent so far, Father? So far, so good. Yeah, I mean, other than I'm a little, like I'm losing my voice, but uh, other than that, it is a great Lent. So. Yeah, your 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 podcast voice is going to be quite interesting today. I know, I know. This well, is maybe a... I should just deepen my voice a little bit. This time. <laughs> For sure. Okay. I don't know if this is a good radio voice or not, but it's all I got. <laughs> We're going to so, find so out. Here we go. I will tell you. Yeah. Okay, um, we are on the Seven Sorrows Rosary. That's right, Can you yeah. give a brief overview of what we've done so far? What is this rosary and what we've talked about? Yeah, we it's a it's a devotion similar to the rosary where the rosary uh, has five decades where we're meditating upon certain mysteries of the life of Christ of the Blessed Virgin Mary. The seven sorrows rosary is similar, but it has uh, not seven decades, but seven rounds of seven Hail Marys in which we reflect upon uh, seven mysteries of Our Lady's life, particularly uh, her seven sorrows. So our first episode, we kind of just talked about what is the devotion and the first mystery and last week, we talked about how to pray the, the Seven Sorrows Rosary. And then we talked about the second mystery. Uh, and so that has led us to today. Yeah, and we're going to get first into the third mystery. Mm-hmm. And then I want to end talking about a little about Our Lady of Cabejo, which is how this devotion really popularized. As we talked about first episode, this started in the Middle Ages, <clears throat> the devotion to the Seven Sorrows Rosary, but really became popular very recently due yeah. to the... Um, apparitions of Our Lady of Capejo in Rwanda. And I just want to talk a little bit about that. And the beautiful story of Immaculate, who's done a great job of spreading this devotion. Who you got to meet. I got to meet a wonderful yeah. woman of God. I shouldn't be able to meet her. You just know this is a holy person. Like she's one of, she was definitely one of those people. Yeah. Um, so we'll, uh, you know, preview uh, to later. Stay, stick with us because we'll be talking about that. But first, let's just get into this third sorrow of Our mm-hmm. Lady, which is an interesting sorrow mm-hmm. because we're talking normally. If you're used to praying the Dominican Rosary, yep. you meditate upon the finding of the child Jesus. Yes. And the joy, one of the joyful mysteries, mm-hmm. the fifth joyful mystery, the joy of finding the child Jesus. And here we are. Celebrate, uh, meditating upon he was found because he was first lost. Yes, that's right. And the sorrow of the <clears throat> loss of Jesus. Yeah. Just to get to our, our biblical perspective here, we hear in the Gospel of Luke how yeah. Mary and Joseph are going to the temple when Jesus is 13, around 13 years old, to go and to worship. And they do their uh, their worship of the Lord. 
And on the way back, they, they kind of caravan down from Nazareth mm-hmm. to Jerusalem. It's for safety's sake. It's for, um, you know, just it makes for much better travel. And they're all traveling back to Nazareth. And because it's a very family atmosphere, you just kind of, everybody kind of goes on the caravan together. It's kind of, if you've ever been on a, a, a big group pilgrimage <laughs> or a big family vacation, you just kind of assume everybody's with you and you right. start start going. Right. And so they begin traveling and Mary thinks Jesus is with Joseph and Joseph thinks Jesus is with Mary or they both think that he's with the other kids playing and they just kind of travel for a day. And at the end of the day, they're like, whoa, where's Jesus? And they get together and they want to feed him and they realize, oh boy, we don't have Jesus. (laughs) And if you've ever been a parent in that situation- Um, I know I've I've been on the the situation of being lost. I know my my cousin mm-hmm. not lost, but my cousin and I went to his religious education classes after Sunday mass, and I was visiting their family, so I went with him. And my aunt came and picked up all the the family members. All her, I think my brother. I don't know how many brothers with us, but my brothers and her kids, and it, which I mean, she's got six, we got four. You know, it's a big For sure. caravan of people and. Um, my cousin and I were out playing on the playground or whatever, still in our class, whatever. we weren't there for the pickup. And so they go on home and, we just, and then we come out and like, everybody's gone. Yeah. Like, not just like all of our families go out, like out the church is now empty. There's nobody yeah. around anymore. And we're like, well, oh shoot, uh, who's going to eat who? <laughs> <laughs> um, and you get that brief moment, but I'm sure. And then, you know, my aunt obviously freaking out, came back and yeah. we were just sitting there waiting. Yeah. Uh, but we, uh, you know, so there's the, I know this, the parents have experienced this, like, oh mm-hmm. no, like I, fo- I forgot my child. I missed my child. Something happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, where's my child? And imagine Mary and Joseph who now have to travel a whole day. So they've traveled for a day already. Mm-hmm. They have to turn around and travel for a whole day just yeah. to get back to Jerusalem because they weren't aware that they didn't have Jesus. Yeah. And so now this, that's the second day. And now the third day they start looking for our Lord mm-hmm. and then eventually they find him. And where do they find him? Of course, in the temple. Yeah. And Mary, um, if you're if you struggle with sometimes being anxious or worried, um, Our Lady can join you in this moment sure, because yeah. she is anxious, not yes. to the point of sin, um, but she is anxious. And the Lord even Mary even says, like, we were anxious, we are worried. Uh, why? Why did you know? What What did you do? Why did you leave us? Yes. And Jesus goes, Did you not know I had to be in my Father's house? in this beautiful moment. But we're meditating specifically about that, that worry, that anxiety that Our Lady felt as she looked for the Christ child. What had happened to him? Where did he go? Um, mm-hmm. And and that sorrow that she experienced in that moment. So that's our third meditation in this yes. uh, these sorrowful mysteries of Our Lady. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I can't even imagine what it was like. And I know for me, I always try to like psychologize maybe like what Our Lady and St. Joseph were experiencing in that moment, recognizing that like their interior life, their psychology, their emotional life was well more balanced in order than mine (laughs) is and ever will be. Uh, And yet there is just something so profoundly human about this experience. There's something almost universal about it uh, where, I mean, maybe not, maybe not three days, but even if it's just for five minutes, 10 minutes, just trying to scan a crowd, trying to find your child and all of a sudden like, oh, okay, I don't, I don't recognize where, where, where is he or she? And and just the, the, the worry and the anxiety that begins to, to set into a heart <clears throat> and yet Our Lady and St. Joseph were three days 
three days wondering, you know, what, what was happening. And, and I think maybe it's also just kind of maybe important to say is that like, not all thoughts are sins just because you think something doesn't mean it's a sin. And then, you know, who knows what sort of thoughts were, uh, you know, the enemy was trying to assail them with, you know, of, of like, how could you do this? You're, you're bad parents. Jesus is lost. Something as terrible has happened to him. And, um, <clears throat> and I'm sure they were able to, you know, re resist those temptations and not, you know, <clears throat> begin to appropriate them and, and begin to think them the, these things for themselves. Uh, but, but yes, I mean, our lady says, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And, and just even the recognition that uh, even the 12-year-old Jesus, his ways are not their ways and his thoughts are not their thoughts. And that he is doing things that, um, that they don't understand. They did understand that that there is just this mystery that is part of their life with him, and so, and 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 they're not they're not always in on it, you know, um, and so just the the sorrow would be to be just emotionally and psychologically without your child for three days, but then spiritually, um, to think about yourself deprived. I mean, you, you have grown so accustomed to being near to this child who is God uh, and just how spiritually consoling that must be. And then all of a sudden to be thrust into this situation where you are separated from God for three days and you have no idea how this happened and why this is happening and what is going on and, and how long it is going to last and, and, and the sorrow uh, that that would then be. <clears throat> yeah, and they were down for Passover. You know, Jesus was 12. I think I said 13 earlier. Sorry about that. But Jesus was 12, as you said, and they're down celebrating the Passover, the great feast, which in our Lenten season, we're reading currently yeah. in our uh, great office of readings and we'll be reading for our, our liturgy as well. And in the Passover, what happens? The firstborn son is is killed. Mm. The lamb, but, wow. but the lamb is slain to put on the doorpost to save yeah. the houses of the Israelites and the angel passes over. And so all of a sudden they go and they celebrate the Passover, the remembrance of the firstborn of all the Egyptians being killed and then the lamb being slain. And, <clears throat> you know, Mary and Joseph realizing that they have the lamb of God in their presence yeah. and like, oh no, like, is it time for him to like be captured and killed for the people? Yeah. You know, is that going through their mind? You know, mm -hmm. I have no idea. It's right. just a conjecture. Obviously the symbolism is, is profound there mm -hmm. that they've just celebrated this Passover feast and all of a sudden they can't find the lamb. Yeah. Lamb who is to be sacrificed for all people. Uh, and then I, I think he's made so beautifully that there's both this, this physical and this spiritual and this emotional aspect, which we so we can all relate to. Yes. Where we just can't see the Lord. Like physically, he just feels absent. And we just feel like we are in total darkness, abandoned. You know, especially if, you know, most people's spiritual journey, this is not, you know, exclusive. I know a lot of people I talk to, it's the, there's this time where you kind of, you go through the motions as a kid and then there's a point in your life. You go on a retreat, you um, just have this encounter of God at mass or you pray in the rosary, whatever the case may be. And you have this encounter with God and all of a sudden you recognize like the sweetness of the Lord. You recognize mm -hmm. how beautiful it is to be in relationship with God at some point in your life. Um, and, and you're just living, bask in the glory of that relationship. And then all of a sudden the Lord pulls away. 
And he pulls away intentionally because he, he wants to know why you want to be in a relationship with him. Are you in a relationship with him because you get something out of it? Your relationship with him because you love him? And, he, and the, the church, the, the spiritual masters will tell us about this importance of this darkness that we feel, mm-hmm. this darkness of the senses where we just don't feel God and the suffering we go through and the difficulty in this absence. And, and that's a real spiritual agony mm-hmm. that is a part of the spiritual life that everyone who wants to go out of beginner stage has to go through and deal with. And even Mary and Joseph have to deal with this in a very real way. Of like, where is God? Mm-hmm. You know, where is my son? Where is that? Where is God? Yeah. And, and this searching for Him, and then um, not just on the physical, where is God? But even on the emotional, you feel um, lost. You feel anxious. The distress that Mary yeah. and Joseph feel, they, like you said, this, this this emotional distress that they're feeling. That we all feel when we're going through a difficult time and suffering. And like, God, where are you? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going through distress, and you could solve the problem for me. And if you just told me where you were, you know. Yes. And uh, and then there's the this uh, the most difficult, the spiritual difficulty of like, you don't have the consolation of of God that spiritually, not just is there not a physical sense of His presence, but even spiritual dark night of the soul, like where the soul is longing, and you're like, God, I want you more than anything else, and you feel like you're nowhere around. Yeah. And so Mary and Joseph are feeling. Mm-hmm. She, she is feeling in a deep sense this sword piercing her heart in every aspect, which is so beautiful to meditate upon because it's so real. We, we recognize it, we feel it, we experience it, and we want to be consoled. And, and the consolation isn't like, I have to feel better even though we want that. But sometimes just knowing that someone's with us in it. Mm-hmm. And the beautiful part of this mystery is Mary's with us in it. And you're going through your distress and you come to this mystery and she goes, I see you. Like, I know, I know how difficult it is this physical struggle, this emotional struggle, this spiritual struggle, this mental struggle, mm-hmm. you know, of, of what did I do wrong? You know, they're probably the thoughts that even get into that one of Mary and Joseph. Like, why did, why did we leave? Why did we do this? Why did we leave Jerusalem <laughs> without knowing where he was? You know, the, I'm such yes. a terrible parent, all, the, yes. the, all these aspects. And Mary just sits there and says, I know, I've experienced it. You're not alone. I see you. And to be seen in those moments is so consoling. And Mary can do that for us. There's... <clears throat> There's relief in recognizing that this alienation, this separation that they have from Jesus in this moment isn't their fault. They didn't do anything wrong. Uh, but then there's also the the confusion of the darkness of then recognizing, well, this wasn't my fault. Um, and so this was God's quote unquote fault <laughs> yep, yep. That, that Jesus left them uh, a full a fully fully knowing and in, in, in the full consent of his will decided not to tell them that he was going to do this and and so we know that he did not sin and in not informing his parents about this because he is the sinless son the sinless lamb of God uh, and and we can think well, well, at least he could have just been polite and just said, hey, mom and dad, like, I'm going to hang back for a couple of days. Or like, can we just hang back? I need to be in my father's house a little bit longer. No, he just does it. He just does it. And and so I think part of the sorrow, part of the darkness in this is then is the, 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 this recognition that like that God is the one who has who has brought this about, um, who has brought this about. 
And and we can just say, well, well, why does Jesus behave this way? <laughs> why why didn't he tell them? You know, and and it's this invitation then into just the 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 great great mystery of 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 who he is as God, um, and his ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts, and. And this, this is, this is a darkness. This is, this is a challenge. Um, and, and we experience that in our, in, in our humanity, just in, in, in the smallness of our minds and our intellects and not being able to understand or comprehend, um, as, as a profound sorrow. Um, and just, and just even meditating upon and just how, how sweet and delightful and how peaceful that house must have been. Of Nazareth, um, and just how consoling it would have been for them to have just God dwelling in their midst. Uh, we can just think of of even uh, maybe you've had your own experience of of perhaps there's a place, perhaps there's a church, perhaps there's uh, or you know the the Blessed Sacrament. We can just go there. Uh, we can just rest. We can be at peace. God is near. God is close. Uh, and then all of a sudden, and maybe we experienced this with it with the pandemic, where all of a sudden we're like the churches were closed. I mean, we couldn't get near the tabernacle. We couldn't get near the Eucharist. Um, and and this is what Our Lady is experiencing at this moment that um, she's not close. She's not physically close to God in this moment. Um, that she has. She's experiencing this separation. She's experiencing uh, this. I don't know, maybe loneliness is the right word, but but whatever the, the consolation of their time together in Nazareth and just the sweetness of being close to Jesus, uh, that, that she doesn't have that right now. Um, and she is frantically searching for the child, looking for him, just trying to get back in close to God again. Uh, and so, you know, we all have those places where, where we go there and then we feel close to God. And then to have that taken from us uh, as a profound and, and deep sorrow. <clears throat> and in the ending of this beautiful story, you know, Jesus says, did you not know how to be in my father's house? Yeah. And I think that's a consolation for all of us in, in that we're always, we can always find a home in the Father's house. Mm -hmm. And we may not feel it. And it may be hard for us. It may be away from it. It may be struggling, you know. And maybe there was a, a time in prayer where it was really easy. There was a place where we always like to pray. And if we can't get there physically because we had to move or there was a really a way which we prayed. It was a certain meditation we did. And now it feels fruitless. Mm -hmm. and, and, and we can feel like we're orphans, feel abandoned. And recognize those are just lies because – you know, we always have a home in the Father's house. That, that Jesus is always going to say, you know, where I got to be at the Father's house, and where the Father, the Son, and the Spirit is present, mm -hmm. they're in the Father's house. And and just to continue to go back to that place, and if, especially if we're feeling like we can't find the Lord, we'll go back to the Father's house. Mm -hmm. when, when Mary and Joseph, you know, when they lost him, you know, they, you know, eventually it's like, well, we got to go to the Father's house. You know, where in, where in the moments where obviously they took them a day to journey back and then the next day, I don't know if it was the beginning of the day or the end of the day when they decided, when they knew, but it's <laughs> yeah. like, we, we got to go back to the temple. Yeah. Got, you know, that's, we got to go to the Father's house. And Jesus like, then you know this is where I had to be? The mm -hmm. Father's house. And all the elders are I'm so impressed by his wisdom. 
um, that, that we can encounter the Lord in the Father's house. And just to always go back to that place of obviously the church itself, the sacraments, the sacraments are always means yes. of grace. They will never stop being means of grace. And maybe we're more open or less open. Maybe they're more consoling or less consoling, but they are efficacious Yes, every time. And so to, this is the Lenten season especially to go back to the Father's house, the house of the church and say, I'm gonna go back to the confession. Uh, if it's been a while, I'm gonna go to communion um, and I'm going to open up my heart. And maybe I don't feel it, maybe I don't recognize it, but I know this is the Father's house and I know I can meet him and encounter him in this place. Amen, that's really beautiful. And and if you will permit me, I, I kind of just wanna like flip the mystery a little bit. Uh, and obviously we are focused on uh, entering into this part of the mystery through the lens of Mary and, and the loss of the child. Um, but perhaps you're listening to this and you're the one who feels lost. Um, and perhaps, uh, you know, you, you are the child who has been, been left behind. Um, and, you know, mom and dad were not there for you. Uh, and, and then I think just to kind of then, look at the other side of this of Mary and Joseph uh, where they are frantically looking for the child. Uh, and then just to take consolation in the fact that, that our lady and St. Joseph are frantically searching out you and I, uh, that they are looking for us, that they are searching for us, that they have these beautiful maternal and paternal hearts uh, that are, are so closely aligned to the heart of God that I think they really, they really image the heart of God for us in this moment where they are just searching desperately for their child, anxiously looking for their child, uh, sleepless nights probably, you know, through the streets of Jerusalem, looking for him, knocking on doors. And, and if that is you, that if you feel lost, if you feel left behind, if you feel abandoned in some way, that, that St. Joseph and Our Lady are coming for you and they are desperately seeking you out and searching for you. And you just have to stay put, go to the Father's house uh, and you will be found. Amen, <clears throat> that's so beautiful. I, I wanna just briefly talk about, cause we always do, we've been every time talking a little bit something other yeah. than the mystery, just yeah. to kind of add a little bit of f flavor. And today I want to talk about Our Lady of Cabejo mm -hmm. because um, there's these uh, apparitions that occurred in the 1980s. I believe yeah, the first one was in November of 1981. Wow. And they went on intensely for a couple of years. Okay. And But I think they extended to about 1989. And this is- In Rwanda. Is this simultaneous with the, the genocide? No, they pre she predicted the genocide. Okay. The genocide was 94. The 90s. That's I'm right. That's sure. right. So right yes. before the genocides occurred. Okay. Um, Our Lady is appearing in Rwanda. And this apparition, the reason we're bringing it up is because the devotion to the Seven Sorrows Rosary really explodes after these apparitions. That mm. yeah, again, it was a part of the Middle Ages and then the, kind of the Dominican Rosary took over. The Franciscans still by the Franciscan crown and yeah. uh, which is the kind of the seven joys <clears throat> of Mary. And yet um, there's these other rosaries, other chaplets that are out there, but um, the Seven Sorrows Rosary and our devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows has really kind of taken a big boost ever since um, Our Lady of Cabejo. She appears in Cabejo, first to this little girl named uh, Alphonsine, um, and a high school age girl right near, near in high school. And it's kind of interesting some, uh, story because nobody believes her. Well, not everybody, there's a few who believe her, but a lot of people are like kind of like, uh, no. So she actually asked Our Lady if there could be other 
people who see her. Mm-hmm. And so there's two other high school girls, I think they're both girls, who enter into and start receiving apparitions of Our Lady. Wow. One of whom had been like vehemently opposed wow. to the apparitions and thought they were all fake. And she becomes like one of the visionaries of wow. this. Uh, um, but yeah, so Our Lady, a lot of, a lot of um, just beautiful, uh, Kibeho is uh, just, a, if people are going to look it up, K-I-B-E-H-O um, mm-hmm. in Rwanda. And she, she shows the, um, some of the visionaries um, uh, heaven, hell, and purgatory, gives them yeah. a lot of she messages. Does that. She does that frequently. She does that frequently. <laughs> uh, and obviously it talks about the, the upcoming. So the there's a big, if you haven't heard about the, the what happened in Rwanda with the very, the very violent uh, uprising that occurred. And it was the, the Tutus, right? And the, uh, oh man, I got to think of. Uh, the names of the, the Hutus, that's what, the, the Tutsis, Tutsis, that's right. yeah. the Hutus, Hutus and the Tutsis, Tutsis mm-hmm. um, who were basically a genocide occurs uh, between these two ethnic groups in the midst of a civil war. And like <clears throat> movies like Hotel Rwanda do right. a good job of depicting kind of what happens in those yes. difficult times. Um, but one thing, if you haven't read Left to Tell by Immaculate, um, it's this w- woman who survives these uh, genocides by living in a bathroom actually so uh, wow. please forgive me i don't have all the the details but i forget one of the tribes is against the other and she's one of the mm-hmm. tribes being killed off and she actually is in the house of one of the guys who's in the tribes killing everybody and he has a bathroom that is kind of hidden away and he hide there's like like a, over a dozen like maybe two dozen women all like hiding in this bathroom for like months and like he puts a dresser over the door so he can't be seen even wow. though people like search his house yeah and, and he like sneaks in food, but they're like can't eat very often because it's like he's got to like open up and like sneak food in, and just like just miserable, miserable conditions. And her whole family gets killed. Yes, it's, it's just yeah. terrible, terrible yeah. like um, uh, tragedy that she experiences. But she lives through it, and she goes around and she speaks. Um, I've I've had the privilege of meeting her. She came and spoke in Saint Francis when I was there. Beautiful woman of God, just a holy, mm. holy. You could see, you know. Unfortunately, some of the Catholic speakers. Uh, are just they're they're good at their shtick, but uh, when you meet them, you're not like, oh, this is a really holy person. Mm-hmm. There's others you meet them and you're like, man, this person they they're living it. No, yeah. they are they have a deep, profound prayer life. And she was one of those women. It's like, man, this woman has close to God, and and so she's really promoted this devotion to Our Lady of Cabejo and and building shrines and doing everything she can to really promote these messages. And through that, the devotion to our Lady of Sorrows, mm-hmm. the Seven Sorrows, and the Seven Sorrows Rosary, um, because as we as we meditate upon these mysteries, we enter into the sorrows. And there's something about in our own lives when we enter into sorrows of others, it's yes. consoling. Yes. When we enter into the sorrows with Mary, it's consoling, because what you're saying is like, Mary, I see your sorrow, mm-hmm. and it matters to me. The sorrows that you experienced, the tragedy, the difficulty that you went through. Um, thank you. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to meditate so that I, I can learn to be strengthened from your sorrows and just be with you in your sorrows. Just come and sit with you when you're in the donkey riding back to Jerusalem with Joseph and you're filled with distress because mm-hmm. you're like, hurry up. Like this donkey can't go fast enough. Yeah. I wish I could fly yeah. you know, or transport so I could be in Jerusalem <laughs> and find my son. Yes. And and you just go sit with her on that donkey or just walk, you walk next to Joseph and just lead that donkey um, and hold her hand and just, and, you know, say, you know, it matters to me. You know, that I know, even though you said, yes, you're the mother of God, you're this incredible woman, that you you, you had seven swords pierced your heart. You had sorrows mm-hmm. and distress. And so it consoles me because I know you're with me in my sorrows. Um, but it's just this, I'm um, just as, as though it says, um, that I, I abide in me as I abide in you. It's beautiful. Like we can go be with Mary 
mm-hmm. in these sorrows and ask her to come be with us in our sorrows. So yeah. um, it's beautiful that Mediterranean sorrows enter in, into them. Yeah. And Immaculate has experienced such sorrow, yeah. I think, realizes this and, and really asks for Our Lady to help her in the midst of her sorrows. She prayed the rosary over and over again as she laid in that bathroom, mm-hmm. cramped in that bathroom um, to survive this terrible genocide. And, and so she understands the sorrows of Our Lady in the deep way, but turns to be with Mary in her sorrows because she knows Mary is with her in her sorrows. Yes. That's so incredible. Um, and it's just so inspiring to, to learn of other people who have suffered so profoundly and yet emerge with this fire-tried faith that's just pure as gold. And, and it gives us then the courage to to face our sorrows, to face our crosses um, in our own lives, to then to then experience the resurrection, uh, which is all of this is ordered towards that, um, that we don't leave behind the wounds, that Christ didn't leave behind his wounds when he rose, but he, he still bore those marks. And so that, that we enter into the sorrows, um, not to leave them behind, but then to, to have them touched by the resurrection and, and, and have them redeemed. Um, so that's so, so powerful. Mm. Well, on this note, I think a good Linton question because okay. a lot of people are having parish missions okay. at the time. And I'm sure there's beautiful Catholic speakers who are coming you know, to your area. Mm-hmm. You know, They're into Phoenix. And I haven't looked who's coming to Phoenix. It's something I like to do and I probably hopefully should and will. Um, but whether you're in Texas or you're in Pennsylvania or wherever yep. you are, um, there's probably someone coming to speak uh, near you. So I guess the question for me is, if you see a name coming to your a, a, a oh, church near, here, near yeah. you, Father Peter Teresa, who is it that we want to recommend to people? You would say you have like highly recommend go see this person. And I'm sure a lot of parish missions are wow, really good. Wow, that's a great I'm question. I'm sure really powerful, but there's certain times when you like drop everything, cancel everything. If this person's speaking at your parish. Yes. So who among the, the Catholic speakers and I know this is like, I feel bad because there's going to be names where we don't see that are I know, I know, I know. This is a great but question though. If there's, uh, if there's, if we can give three maybe, who yes. if they're coming to a parish near you, you should go. Who would it be for you? I think Sister Miriam James Hyland Salt would be on the list for me, for sure. I think she's great. I don't know if she does parish missions or not. I know she does a lot of retreats and things like that. She has a podcast. I'm sure everybody knows her already. Uh, but she would definitely be on the short list for me. Man, this is a great question. Uh, I'll give one, then you give one. Let me see if I get okay. another one. Uh, Father Philip Scott. Yes. yes. He's uh, my spiritual director. Mm-hmm. And he, do, he does parish missions uh, all over the nation. I'm profoundly touched. He, mm-hmm. he, he uh, was with a community, started a community uh, called Family of Jesus the Healer. Mm-hmm. It's all about like healing the wounds of the family. Mm-hmm. And every time he talks, it just, my heart begins to melt. And yeah. it really is very profound. So if Father Philip Scott's coming to church near you, go see him. Amen to that. Um, I'll, I'll say this because we went to their mission here in Phoenix a couple of years ago, but the CFRs, uh, they have a beautiful ministry. Um, and they're, they're, they're great. They have a great message. They have a great witness. They have a great charism. So I, I would say if they're, they're coming to a, a church near you this Lenten season, I would definitely, I, I would, yeah, I, I, I'm always, anytime the CFRs are on, I'm always trying to, trying to find them, see them. Uh, I think Father Boniface Hicks. Yes. I don't know if he does parish missions. Right. Um, I, I'm sure he does. I know he does spiritual direction yes. things. I know his classes. Um, it might only be like in a limited area around Pennsylvania. Yeah. How much he's traveling around because he's a very busy guy. 
But I, having heard him speak and give talks and do classes, uh, I would highly recommend if he is coming to a church near your parish near you to go see Father Boniface Hicks. I'm trying to think like what have I what have I read or listened to recently that was super impactful for me. Um, this is a really good question. I'm drawing a blank though. I'm. Uh, I really, I'm kind of on like I have too many. Oh, I'm really? Keep going. Narrow though. it down. Yeah. To, um, you know, there's some people guys I haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Um, but but when I saw them, they're very impactful. Father Don Calloway, mm-hmm. I think, would be one of those mm-hmm. who um is I, I just his story is yeah. so beautiful. Yeah, that's right. Just what our lady. Did. He's got a beautiful devotion to Saint Joseph. We're so thankful for that work he yeah. did for Saint Joseph. So and that so would be. So if he yeah. was if he was coming to a, a parish yeah. near you, I would highly recommend. Mm-hmm. He'd probably be the next. I know there's probably some I'm just gonna you know I'm, as I go through my list. There's others who are up there. Yeah. I mean, like Father Gately, I've been yep. very impressed yeah. with. Um, a father, uh, a sister, uh, Madonna, Bethany Madonna. Yeah, the Sisters of Life too. Sisters, sisters life. of Life. They do. Yeah, there's, that would be on my short list for sure as well. A, there's a lot. If they're speaking. I'm listening. Yeah. No doubt. Yeah. So, um, but there, that's kind of a few that are. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, that's those are. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love Jason Everett. Yes, I think yeah. especially if you're a high school aged kid, mm-hmm. if Jason Everett's coming to speak near you, um, he's one of the best speakers mm-hmm. I've ever seen. I mean, there's certain like when your father Philip Scott, like Immaculate, if Immaculate is coming, I'm, yes, I'm, I meant of to say here. I brought yeah. up the question because I wanted to say here and I forgot. <laughs> if Immaculate is coming near Father Philip Scott, mm-hmm. these people are just like, man, these people are close to God. Yeah. Um, and and I think Jason has a, has a beautiful prayer life, mm-hmm. but he is like just a great speaker. Yeah, like he talks, and you're it's so organized. You, I remember everything he says. Like I'm just like I don't remember everything Immaculate says, but I'm just like man, that person's close to mm-hmm. God. You know, but Jason, it's like I remember everything he says. Oh, he just awesome. speaks really yeah. well, and it's very profound and very very good information. That's great. Praise God. Yeah. Okay, I'm taking yours then. Your third is. Well, I right? just I'll, I'll, the sisters of life for my third. So okay. there we go. There we go. <laughs> You've got that. Yeah. You're just taking groups of people instead of actual people. Well, they 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 show up in force, and it's a beautiful thing. And of course, if the Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are speaking near you, you should go. Check uh, us out. <laughs> a healing mass at the end of March. That's right. The last time we're speaking somewhere, uh, or a Sunday homily. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Father, will you close us in prayer? Absolutely, and follow us on Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Lady of Sorrows, we ask that you would just draw near to us this Lenten season. Draw us into your Immaculate Heart. Uh, care for us in our sorrows and, and give us the courage to care for you in yours. Uh, that we might uh, draw near to your heart and the most sacred heart of your Son, Jesus. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. May Almighty God bless you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Become Fire podcast. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit can be found online at www.becomefire.faith. That's .f-a-i-t-h. The Franciscan Friars of the Holy Spirit are also a 501c3 charitable organization. If you feel called in any way to give financially to their mission, please go to www.becomefire.faith. That's becomefire.faith. May the Lord give you his peace. We'll see you next time.